If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to one of the most glorious chapters of Scripture, I probably say it every week, but it's Romans 8. It's an amazing passage of God's Word. And what we're doing here as we begin and launch King's Chapel is we're going through the core values. I hope you notice our cool signs on the way in. Uh, Gospel-centered we started with. And last week we talked about what does it mean to be kingdom-focused. Uh, this week we're going to talk about what does it mean to be spirit-empowered, alive in Christ our King. Next week as you come back and bring lots of friends with you, um, we're going to talk about being community-driven and what does that look like. Life often feels like an epic battle between life and death. Is it not true? I mean, you don't have to live very long to realize life's a battle. Life is hard. I know that many of you right now can experience that battle. But the Bible reveals to us that this epic struggle between life and death is really the storyline of the Bible. And ultimately, it's the struggle between God and man. It's an incredible story. I just love it. It's a story of how God creates life, how he speaks it into existence, how God creates family. It's also a story of us, humankind, and our sin that ushers into the story death and and separation and isolation. Listen, Scripture is true what it says. Sin will always lead to death and separation. But the story, the story of the Bible is how God has given us life and brought death to death and separation. Why? Because God loves us. Because God loves us, he restores that life that we lost through his son, Jesus Christ. And he bridges the gap of separation between holy God and sinners like us. And this is all done because of the love of the Father and the work of the Son. It's all done through the Holy Spirit who takes that love of the Father and he takes the work of the Son and he applies it to our hearts. This is the gospel. This is the good news of how God wins. God wins the epic struggle between life and death through the life and death of his son. Isn't that amazing? That's how he he wins it. How Jesus now, that victory that he won is applied to us. That victory of eternal life is now today ours to those who belong to him. And it's applied to us through God's Holy Spirit. The gospel, the good news that right now life reigns. His death is all around us. And the reminder of that decay is ever before us. Life reigns because Jesus lives. The gospel is the good news that the separation that, and isolation that our sin has caused us and the world from God, that God's power has overpowered that. And God has not only bridged the gap, he bridged it so tightly that he's called us his adoptive sons. Joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Now, that chasm was so big and the epic battle was so great. It took all of God, everything of God, to win this battle. To make sure that death was defeated. To ensure that life reigns. It took the Father, it took the Son, and it took the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to begin our sermon. We're going to talk a little bit about some technical things because really for us to understand who God is and what roles each person of the triune God plays in our salvation, it's important for us to be reminded, who is this God? 
God reveals himself to us in creation. He also most clearly reveals himself to us through his word. And he reveals himself as a true and living God. I'm going to look to uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith that kind of summarizes in the shorter catechisms. Ask the question, well, what is God? So these, these are folks that in the 1600s wrestled with this. And this is what they came up with. It's a pretty good answer. What is God? It doesn't, you can never in one statement say it all, but it says, hey, God is a spirit. He's infinite. He's eternal. He's unchangeable. In his being is wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That will give you a good start of who God is. And then ask the question, well, are there more than, more gods than one? No, there's only one, but one, the living and true God. And then it asks this question, how many persons are there in this Godhead, this, the God who is? And it says this, according to scripture, that there are three persons in this Godhead. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And these three are just one God in the same substance, equal in power and glory. What an incredible explanation of the Trinity. Saying that in this one true living God, there exists three separate persons. A Father, a Son, and the Holy Spirit. Equal in power and glory. Yet they have different roles. I want to tell you something about what we call, what theologians might call the economic trinity. So you have one God, three persons, equal, ontologically equal, but they play different roles to rescue us. When it comes to God, we see that the Father is always the one who initiates. Think of Jesus. I do nothing on my own. I only do that which the Father has given to me. It's the Father who always initiates with us. It's his decrees. It's his plan. It's his predestination. I mean, nothing happens without the Father's will. He has decreed all things. He's the one who's, who's, through the Son, is going to create all things. He always initiates. And then there's God the Son. He's the one who executes the plan. And it says in Scripture that before time began, before God created anything, listen to this, don't miss this, He loved you. Before He created anything, it says He loved you. He had a plan for you and me, a plan to rescue us that was going to be executed by His Son. That for those whom he has a special love to, he's going to redeem. Although sin's going to enter the picture. And it's the son who executes. He comes to earth, right? He comes as the king of kings and lord of lords. And man, did they miss him because he was born in a little manger. And he didn't have much. He didn't look much like a king. But here he was, God's promise of Messiah. Who says, I do nothing except what the father gives me. Who perfectly fulfills God's law. And then becomes a curse for those of us who have broken God's law. The son executes it. But then there's the Holy Spirit. In the church, oftentimes, it's, it's like you either worship him a whole bunch or you tend to forget about him. But the reality is, is in the triune God, he's equal to the Father and Son, equal in power and glory, but he's got a special place. He applies. He applies the love of the Father and the work of the Son to all of our hearts. If you know Jesus, if you call Jesus as Lord, it's only because God first loved you and he gave you the Holy Spirit. And he gave you the Holy Spirit to understand, to open up your ears and your heart and your mind. And that's what he does. He applies uh, God's love for us. And now we have this incredible relationship with him. It's, it's called like the effectual calling of God that the Holy Spirit comes and draws all of God's sheep to the Father through the Son. And now, because of this Holy Spirit, we can be spirit-empowered. 
alive in Christ our King. We're going to look at two things this morning. The spirit of life. The Holy Spirit gives us the spirit of life over death. And he also gives us the spirit of adoption. He, he, he not only gives us life, he bridges the chasm. So we're going to look at God's word. If you have one of the Bibles we gave you, it's on page 550. It's Romans 8. We're going to look through 1 through 17 this morning. It's an incredible passage of scripture that really is going to remind us of this gospel and the role of the triune God, specifically the Holy Spirit. So hear the word of the Lord this morning found in Romans 8. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if the children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. And Father God, thank you for this amazing good news. That there is life in Christ. That life given to us through the Holy Spirit. Oh God, we ask that the spirit of that of, of Jesus would come and, and fill this place. That you would be teacher. That you would be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me. Oh God, give us ears to hear your voice. Give us minds to understand your word. 
Give us hearts to embrace your truth. And give us feet that walk in a manner worthy of your name. God, the things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. Well, one of the epic battles that we face in this world is the epic battle between weeds and grass in Florida. Is it not true? And I'm, reality is, is I'm back in the lawn care business after a long hiatus. Uh, it was a kind of a difficult but beautiful reason I got out of the lawn care business. Several years ago, I did a very difficult funeral for a very young mom. Uh, who tragically lost her life. And after I had done the funeral and the graveside for this family, um, the family owned a lawn care business. They started showing up and mowing my lawn for free. Is that not a good deal? And the reality was, is they did a good job most weeks. I I would say to them, hey, listen, you got to send me a bill. Because if you don't send me a bill, I can't complain. And sometimes I want to complain, right? But how do you complain over free? But another tragedy hit the family. He's struggling with uh, brain cancer. As a young man of like 42 years and young kids, and, and I noticed that the grass was getting taller and taller. And, you know, I, I want to reach out to the family and had, don't even want to talk about the lawn. Just don't mention the lawn. And eventually they called and said, listen, we just can't do it anymore. I said, oh, thank goodness. There's one last thing off your plate. No problem. I had to go buy a lawnmower. I had to go kind of get back into the lawn mowing business to, to try to manage those weeds that just grow endlessly. And then you got things like a weed whacker, you got blowers, you got a lawnmower. They all take different fuel, right? You become a chemist to try to figure out what goes in the right machine to make sure you're not burning it on up. But the reality is, man, I'm not very good at that. But you know, the reality is that God has made us in his image. He's made us for himself. And he's going to empower us with the right fuel to live for him. He's wired us to know and love him and to live for him. And the right fuel for us to live is the Holy Spirit. You can't find life apart from him. And the only way that you're going to have the life of Christ, the spirit of Christ living in you, is if you are properly being fueled. And so this this epic battle between the weeds of sin in our life, and just like the weeds in our yard, they grow so naturally. Naturally, junk grows. And it's not natural for us to have the spirit grow. It has to, God has to give us the grace for that to happen. And the Holy Spirit's going to fuel us to win this epic battle of life and death. So spirit empowered, alive in Christ our King. And the first thing we're going to see is the spirit of life. The spirit of life, as we saw in Romans chapter 8, the spirit of life. Well, how does it begin? We are, we are born of the Spirit. If you've read the Gospel of John, you know the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader in Jesus' day. He was a little embarrassed that he was interested in Jesus' teaching, that he would come to Jesus at night. He came to at night because he wasn't ready to be seen hanging out with Jesus. And he asked him some questions about eternal life and how do you really understand and be a part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus in chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 starts talking about some things about, listen, you'll never get into the spirit of God. You'll never understand God unless you are born again. Nicodemus is confused. How in the world am I born again? 
I mean, you can't do that, right? And Jesus says, well, listen, everybody is born once uh, according to, to, to blood and to water. But the only way that you'll ever know God is to have a transformation that's so powerful that you're given a new nature. You've got to be born again, born by the Spirit of God. That's what happens when we become Christians. Paul in Titus 3, uh, verse 5, it says we're going to be regenerated by the Spirit. We're going to be renewed. Listen to these words in Titus 3, 4, and 5. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Remember, salvation is all of the Lord. It's all His work, all by His grace. He saved us. It makes, Paul wants to make sure, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Hit pause there for a minute. God doesn't love you because you think you're a little bit more righteous than your neighbor. He loves you because he loves you. And he saves you by his grace through the work of his son. And then it says this, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You'll never have life without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who washes us in the blood of Christ. He's the one who regenerates us and gives us life. So to have this spirit of life, you have to be born by the spirit. You have to be regenerated by the spirit. We also are empowered by the spirit. You wonder, how did the world change with those 12 disciples, those knuckleheads who followed Jesus after three years, and at the end of his life, they all scattered and ran from him? How did the world change from these guys? Well, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You get to the book of Acts and he says to his disciples and to us, hey, listen, you're going to be the story. You're going to be my, my witnesses. And the Greek word there is really cool. The Greek word is, you're going to be my martyrs. I'm going to tell my story as you lay your life down for me. I'm telling my story through you. But don't do it on your own because you are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and give you power. And give you power to do what God has called you to do. Now, here's the deal. It is not, Christianity is not look with inside yourself, you know, muster up the strength to do the right thing. The power that we need to live for Christ is not in here. It's from above. It's here when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells us. I mean, again, as, as Americans, we often try to live our lives being independent and strong. If you're not strong, go to the gym or eat the right thing. I mean, try to find strength. We despise weakness. But the reality is the only strength that we have is by God's grace. Through his love, through the work of his son and the Holy Spirit, we are empowered. So God gives us life in the spirit. He regenerates us and he empowers us in the spirit. And then we're going to get to 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. It says, not only are you born of the Spirit, regenerated, and, and not only that, you're empowered by the Spirit. He says you're going to be gifted by the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit has given each of you who are His, those of you who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you have what Scripture says is a spiritual gift. You can read 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12. Uh, uh, also, Ephesians 4 will tell you more about them. So, the reality is you can't say, I'm not gifted enough to serve Jesus. I'm not gifted. Yes, you are. God has gifted you. He's given you life. He's gifted you. Each one of us, each one of God's children has given that spiritual gift. Why? It's for the glory of our great God. It's for the good of our neighbor. He has gifted us. And so through the spirit of God, we are given life, regeneration, power, and gifts. So the epic battle you face, you don't face alone. You face with the power of God, the God who is for you. We're given life to battle that death and separation. It's good news.
But there's even better news. God's amazing love for us. This is, this is God outdoes himself. He says, listen, it's not enough that I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to make you family. Remember, sin always brought death and isolation. And now because of the gospel, he brings life and he brings family back. He brings us close to him. Listen, God brings us as close to him as we can get. He dwells us with the Holy Spirit inside of us and he calls us his own. The thing we saw in in Romans 8 and throughout scripture is the spirit of adoption. We are adopted as sons by the spirit. That adoption is ours. Uh, I love what Galatians 4, 4 uh, through 7 will say. That in the fullness of time, God would send forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us who were under the law. So that we could no longer be slaves, but that we could be made sons of the living God. And we could cry out, Abba, Father. That that isolation has been destroyed. God pulled us as close as we could be. That we are called the sons of God. And in Christ Jesus, that's what we are. That's why we have the audacity to cry out, Abba, Father, to the God of the universe. Because he's our Father. But there's more than just calling him Father. And it's more than just being a part of the family. He says, listen, I'm going to make you an heir. I'm going to... I'm going to make you an heir, an heir to Christ. He's basically saying everything that Jesus rightfully owns as the only begotten son and everything that Jesus has earned as the only uh, obedient son, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you all the inheritance. It's what Ephesians 1 would say, Ephesians 1, 3, that all the blessings in the spiritual realms are ours in Christ Jesus. Think about that everything that God could give you, all the blessings he could give you are ours in Christ Jesus. That's how radically we are loved. That's how amazing God's grace is for us in the spirit of redemption, the spirit of adoption. We're also uh, not just given this, uh, the, the uh, adoption as a spirit, we're also sealed with the spirit. Again, language we don't use very often. What does it mean to be sealed with the Holy Spirit? Let me read to you Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. Try to, try to listen to see what God is communicating, what he means by sealing in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance in Christ, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that's the Father, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, for the glory of our great God. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and believed in him, watch what happened, you were sealed, it's a done deal, God's royal seal, with a promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You know what he's saying? You weren't just given the family name. You were given more. You're given a piece of the family. If you're in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. I mean, that's, that's a part of the family. That's like a down payment that he'll never stop giving to you, he'll never stop loving you, and you really have a place with him for all eternity. Life might get hard, and things might be difficult, and there's times where your circumstances might want you to believe that God is not for you and doesn't love you. But the Holy Spirit is a guarantee, it's a deposit 
that he does love you, that the work of Christ was for you, and that you will see him one day face to face. What goodness. So we have the spirit uh, inside of us, the spirit of life and the spirit of adoption. Now we need spiritual nutrition. Uh, moms, you know that if you have children, you want to feed them healthy. And we had some friends of ours that their kids only ate hot dogs and mac and cheese. I mean, they were like 18. Can you feed that kid something other than a hot dog and mac and cheese? I mean, I'm a big hot dog and mac and cheese fan, obviously, but... I mean, mix in a couple of green things every once in a while, right? I mean, shouldn't you have a healthy, balanced diet? Well, listen, God who has given us life doesn't want us to live on the junk food of this world. He doesn't want us to feed on what the world can offer to us. He says we're to feed the Spirit inside of us. Why? To bear the fruit of the Spirit. You guys know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So how do you do that? You live your life, you feed on God's word. You feed that spirit. You feed on the truth, the reality. And listen, I love what Paul says. You starve to death the flesh. There's an epic battle that rages for Christians that doesn't rage for non-Christians. Because if you're not a Christian, Scripture says you're just dead in your trespasses. You have no spiritual life. But if you're a Christian, you have a new nature. And now there is an epic battle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's a battle. And sometimes it feels like that spirit is losing to the flesh. And I'm telling you what, as long as you're a Christian, that flesh is there. And you wonder why you still wrestle with the same old junk and you're still in that same spot sometimes? Because we wrestle with spirit and with the flesh. And so what does Paul say? Don't make a provision for the spirit. Romans 13, 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Let me ask you, what is your life's epic battle this morning? What is the battle of your life? Is it your marriage? Or maybe your singleness? Is it raising your kids? Or is it life as an empty nester? Is it your work or your unemployment? Your health, your weight, your addictions, the porn, the alcohol, materialism. What is the epic battle that you're facing? Let me remind you, we have victory in Christ Jesus and the power of the Spirit. There was an epic battle about a week ago that you can have in fourth grade of an elementary kid from Altamont Springs. He was excited. Spirit Day was coming up. So he was going to wear a jersey of his favorite team, University of Tennessee, Good thing he did it before yesterday's game, right? And so he, uh, he wore, he didn't have a University of Tennessee shirt, but he told his teacher, hey, I got an orange shirt, I'm going to make my own. And so he makes his own handmade University U of T shirt. And in fourth grade, he shows up on Spirit Day all excited just to be bullied by kids who made fun of him for making his own shirt. Word got back to University of Tennessee, and guess what they did? They sent him a whole box of swag. I mean, they gave him hats and shirts. I mean, they're like, man, you're going to stand up for us. Ready for this? They took his shirt, the shirt that he had uh, um, hand done, and they made it into a shirt. They pre-sold 50,000 of them, said all of the proceeds are going to go to charity. And you ready for this? They gave him a four-year scholarship to the University of Tennessee. Man, is that not cool? I mean, that, that is awesome. What a great story. But do you know that Jesus 
took our homemade jersey of sin and filth and he wore it himself on the cross. You know, he wore our jersey of filth and sin so that we could be robed in his righteousness. Do you know that he gave us a scholarship to heaven? It's a lot better than Tennessee. It's forever. And do you know that he did more than just send us a box of stuff? That he made us a part of his family. Incredible. See, for the non-Christian, they're fighting an epic battle between life and death that they can't win. I got a dear friend who runs Ironman. Every, every year he runs an Ironman. He's a bright, incredible guy. And he's struggling. He just got diagnosed my age that there's, he's got some early signs of uh, some memory loss. And you remember, no matter how hard you try to keep your body in shape, we're fighting a losing battle. But here's the truth. Listen, for the Christian, for the Christian, for those of you who know Christ, our epic battle with life and death, we can't lose. Because life reigns in us. The life of Christ, the resurrected Christ reigns in us. Spirit empowered, alive in Christ our King. How is it with you? Is life reigning in you or death? Do you know Christ is your Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for loving us, all of you loving us, a father who initiated that love before time began, a son who would execute that love through his life, death, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit that would apply that love to us. What an incredible God you are. God, thank you for loving us as profoundly well as you do. God, I pray for anyone here this morning that is trying to have that epic battle of life and death without knowing you. Oh God, may they come to you in Christ Jesus and receive that gift of life that only you can give. And God, for those of us who are yours, who are still just battling, it just seems like we're battling so hard, so much death and decay and separation around us, maybe even with marriages, maybe even within family. Oh God, may the power of the gospel bridge those gaps and draw us to yourself, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.